It's amazing. Please take a seat, but not switch off from the presence. <laughs> Just because you've been standing for a little while and I don't want you to have to stand for a long time. You see, when we come into the presence of God, when we come, when we intentionally come into God's presence, he's with us all the time. You know, he is with us all the time. He can't help, you can't help but be in his presence. But when you intentionally come into the presence of God, something happens. And this morning, I want to invite you into an experience and an encounter with God, and particularly with his goodness. Bill Johnson calls the goodness of God the greatest subject in the world. I love talking about the goodness of God. I love the fact that I have experienced the goodness of God and encountered the goodness of God. Because I want to tell you, I became a Christian at the age of seven. And probably for more than 30 years of my Christian life, I knew that God was good, but I'd never really experienced his goodness. Because in the churches that I went to, we didn't really talk about the goodness of God. We talked about the fact that God was good, that he did good things, but not really that he was goodness. Does you see the difference? We talk about it like it's a theology, like it's a theory. We know that God is good, but we don't really expect God to do good things. We don't really expect God to be goodness. We don't really expect to encounter his goodness. Because most of the time, we see ourselves as those people who've done stuff wrong that God has got to put right and rescue. And then we stay in that place where we've got to be rescued and that God has got to put it right. And that we're trying to have to work our way out of that place. But the truth is that's not true. Yeah, that isn't true. God is good. He has paid for your sins. We sang about it in one of those songs. He paid for your sins on the cross 2,000 years ago. He set you free. He rose from the dead. He came back to life to give you life. And when you said yes to Jesus, he said yes to you. And he released all his goodness on you. Can I hear an amen? Isn't that good news? That's the good news. And we talk about the gospel being good news, but we don't talk about the good news too often. We're trying to put that right here. But the thing is, God is good. He is goodness. And he wants you to encounter his goodness. And the reason why this is the greatest subject in the whole world and why this is the best subject in the whole world is because if us as Christians really got hold of the goodness of God... It would change us. It would change the way we do church. It would change the way that we live, which would literally change the world. Because rather than giving the world, well, God is good, but you've got to deal with your stuff first and be rescued first kind of picture. And then people feeling bad, etc., etc. We would be telling them, you know, God is good and he sees you as good and he thinks you're amazing and he wants you to step into his goodness and come and receive his goodness and be free. That's what God has got for us. And, it would, and if we start to do this, it's literally going to change the world. So are you ready to change the world? When you come into God's presence, do you expect goodness? Do you expect it? Good. 
If you don't, start to and see what happens. If you don't expect goodness when you come into his presence, change what you expect and see what happens. Because if you expect God to be cross with you, then that's the kind of God you're going to meet and it isn't God. Because he is good. He is goodness. He is in a good mood with you. He is happy with you. He rejoices over you with singing, the Bible says. Somebody who rejoices over you with singing must be in a good mood with you. Yeah? He forgave all your sins. It's done. It's finished. Once you've stepped into that forgiveness, you've got it. You don't have to go back over them again. His mercy is new every morning. He holds nothing against you. He absolutely loves you. And he has nothing but good thoughts about you because he is good. Good is his character. Goodness runs through his veins. It's in his blood. It's who he is. He is good. Do you get the message? He is good. With the children... I love to use this illustration of a torch. And a torch is a light. And it talks about in 1 John 1 verse 5 that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. And I was trying to think of a real kind of adult illustration for you. And I couldn't because this was the best one. So it really helps. You see, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. God is good. In him there is no darkness, no badness at all. And some think people think that God's goodness works like a torch. So when it's on, God is doing all these good things, bringing hope and bringing freedom. But God turns his goodness off and now everything is difficult and dark and sad. Oh, but he's turned his goodness back on. So he's bringing life and freedom and healing. And then he turns it off again and it's all hopeless and desperate. You see, we think God's goodness turns on and off depending on how he feels. It's not true. God isn't a light like a torch. God is a light like the sun. And hooray, the sun is shining on us today. (laughs) But the sun never turns off, does it? It never turns off. It is always shining, even when we can't see it. Even when we can't see the sun, it is still shining. It can't turn off. It is on. The sun is always shining. And even if, when we're looking at God, his goodness shines all over us because he is good and he can't turn his goodness off. And even if you can't see God because of how you're feeling, what's going on, all of those things, his goodness is not turned off. His goodness is still shining on you. It's just you can't see it. He hasn't changed. It's us. And even if I turn my back on God, his goodness is still shining on me. It's just on my back, not on my face. And even though teachers say they've got eyes in the back of their head, they haven't. Okay? So even when we're inside, the sun is still shining. And in the same way, if we try to hide and get away from God, he's still shining his goodness on us because he never turns his goodness off because he can't. His goodness keeps on shining on us. His goodness is always shining on us. He never turns his goodness off because he can't. Everything about God is good. Everything he does is good. He is always good. And it's a religious spirit 
that tells us that we have to earn God's pleasure and goodness. And we have to look out for that in us and in each other. And just check, not to point the finger and go, I think you've got a religious spirit in you because that's not very encouraging and helpful. But just know God sees you as good. He can't help but release his goodness and pleasure over you. He wants to. It's who he is. So when we come into his presence, that's what we're going to get. That's what we're going to get. We're going to get his goodness. Because he wants to release his goodness to you. He wants you to receive his goodness. So Jesus, we just send away right now any lie that wants to tell us that you are not pleased with us and you do not want to share your goodness with us. Jesus, we declare your goodness in our lives, that you are in a good mood with us and that you are happy with us. And anything within us as a a church or in us as individuals that makes us feel that we have to earn your goodness or earn your pleasure, we just tell it to go right now. Amen. Okay, so God is good and he can't help but be good and release his goodness to you. When we experience his goodness, it's going to change us and change the world. So the invitation is to taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, there's a famous preacher called Spurgeon, you might have heard of him, who calls the goodness of God the irresistible grace of God. There's another famous preacher around here called Mark Henley. And he calls the goodness of God the Pringles effect of God. Once you pop, you can't stop, if you know the Pringles advert. You see, there's something that happens when we encounter the goodness of God, which becomes irresistible to us and irresistible to anyone who sees us. And it becomes irresistible. So once you've experienced it, you just want more. And that was my experience. Once I realized the goodness of God and tasted the goodness of God, I wanted more. I wanted to understand and to experience more. And the goodness of God is not meant to be something we just know, like theology, in a list of things that we believe. The goodness of God is an invitation. It's an invitation to encounter God in a way that transforms and changes us so that we become contagious with the goodness of God. He tells us to taste, to taste. That's an experience. You can't really say you've tasted um, oysters without actually tasting them, can you? I can say, oh, they look horrible and they look a bit slimy. But everybody else says, no, but taste them. See what they taste like. I'm not sure. They probably still taste horrible and slimy. (laughs) Pringles. Let's go for Pringles. You can't taste them. You can't say, oh, well, Pringles are just crisps. No, they're not just crisps. Okay. (laughs) You see, we're meant, it's an invitation to an experience. It's an invitation to say, come and experience the goodness of God. Come and experience who I am, says God. I've got a better example. Here we are. Triple chocolate chip cookies. Now, I could tell you about how amazing the dark chocolate is, 
the milk chocolate is and the piece de resistance, the white chocolate chips. As you munch into that crunchy crumb and it oozes and in your mouth. I can tell you all about it, okay? But it would be better if I had some to give out, wouldn't it? And that you actually got to taste them yourself. If this was a family service, I would have some, but it's not, sorry. You see, as you take one bite after another, after another of something that you love to taste, you do, you want more, don't you? If you're a bit greedy like me. (laughs) You just want more. And people can talk about these things tasting really good, but unless we've actually experienced it, it's not the same. We can know that God is good. We can know in our heads that God is good. But he's not inviting us to know it in our heads. He's inviting us to experience it, to experience his goodness for ourselves. He's inviting us to taste and to see his goodness. That means he's going to do things which show us his goodness, which show us how amazing and good he is. So, for example, we can say God is good and he wants to heal. And we can say that. But unless we expect him to actually heal, we're not going to see him do it. He wants us to experience the goodness of his healing. So don't say, oh God, I want you to heal my arm, but I don't really think you can. God, I really would love you to heal my arm, my leg. And I'm looking to see you do it and then expect him to do it. And seeing refers to our perception, the lens through which we see ourselves and the world. You see, when you have tasted the goodness of God, it will change the way that you look at life. It will change the way that you look at yourself. It will change the way you look at those around you. We can no longer stay in the way that we have been. It changes the way we see things. In kids' work, we call this having heart eyes. These were the best example I could get of having heart eyes. It's like you start to see through the lens of God's heart. You start to see how he sees. You see literally through the goodness of God. And because he's good, the lens that you're going to see is going to be through his heart through his nature, and you're going to start to see as he sees, which is going to be good. So just think, when you're looking through that lens of how he sees, through his lens, his heart, his nature, think about how he sees you. He sees you as good. And looking through his lens, his heart, his nature, He sees the person next to you as good. And looking through his lens, his heart, his nature, he sees that colleague at work who was really annoying you last week as good. And looking through his lens, his heart, his nature, he sees your work, your family, any situation that you want to put in that place. He sees it as good. 
He sees it as good. He sees you as good. He sees the world as good. He sees those things around you as good. And he wants to show you his perception. He wants to show you how he sees that thing. How he sees what you're longing for and hoping for and looking for. And he wants to show you the goodness in it. And what goodness he's going to bring to that situation. Why? Why does God want us to deepen our awareness of his goodness in us and around us? Why does he want us to taste and see his goodness in a deeper, more tangible way? It's because he wants us to live in a way that we experience his goodness to the point where we actually become contagious with the goodness of God to the world around us. That's the challenge. I want you to become so contagious, he says, that the world around you literally stops and says, wow, what's that about? What's that about? And I was, as I was um, preparing for this, I started thinking about Moses and the story of Moses. And Moses is one of my heroes. Um, his amazing life story scares me and amazes me in equal measure. Because he so messes up in so many ways. But God just keeps on redeeming his life and showing him things. And he has the most amazing experiences and encounters with God. And most amazing experiences and encounters with people. And most amazing experiences and opportunities to do signs and wonders. And I just, he's my hero. Not little because his ministry really took off at 40. And so did mine. So I think it's quite cool. But it's his pursuit of God's presence and his times with God, which I think are the most amazing um, and inspiring. But do you know, the Bible talks about those encounters that Moses and the people in the Old Testament had as being nothing compared to what God has got for us. They're like miniature compared to what God has got planned for us. And so whilst they're amazing and they scare me and they, they're an illus- they are just an illustration. They're just a way of saying, look what God's got for you. Look what God can do. Look what more he's got. And what more you can expect of your encounters with God. Because he's got more for us than Moses had. And so when we read the things that Moses encountered with God... We shouldn't go, oh, wow, I want that. We should go, oh, wow, God's got more for me than that. God's got more for me than that. They're just examples. Okay? So, in Exodus 33, we've got the account of Moses going into the tent of meeting. And the pillar of cloud, that's God's presence, would then come down. And Moses and God would talk. That's an amazing encounter. I mean, it's just amazing that he would have these face-to-face encounters with God. Do you have that? If you don't, 
push in for that. Push in for the more of that. Because what it says in verse 11 is that Moses and God spoke face to face as one who speaks to a friend. Do you have that with God? Is your experience, your expectation of your time in the presence of God like one who speaks to a friend? They spoke face to face, like friends. But even Moses knew there was more, because as they became friends, Moses then in verse 13 says, he asked God, teach me your ways so I may know you. He already talks about how he spoke, they spoke as friends, yet he says, I want more. I want to know you. I want to know you. He recognizes that he knows God, but he, there's more. He wants to know what God is like, his nature, his ways. He wants to go deeper in his relationship with God. Do you? Do you want to know, experience God like that? Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with God? You see, the more we experience of God and of his goodness and that he is goodness himself, we will want to explore more of our relationship with him. We shouldn't just want to know God. We should want to know, experience the very nature of God. I want to know your ways. And then in verse 18 and 19, Moses says, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Show me your glory. And God says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Now I'm just saying as a teenager, so just saying, this is Old Testament. And God says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. We're not just living in New Testament days. That was Old Testament. This is New Testament. We're living in what Acts calls the last days. When Jesus has paid for all of our sins, we're no longer living in all of fallen and fallen short of the glory of God. We are living in the place where we have been, we know that Jesus died for our sins, rose again and gave us life. And all spirit has been poured out on us. And we are now able to be called his sons and daughters. So what has God got for us? When we encounter his goodness, there aren't any limitations. You see, Moses, when the goodness passed in front of him, it was the, um, God says that he was going to um, protect him. And so he was just going to see the back of God. There was a limitation to what, what Moses could see. But for us, there are no limitations. There are no limits to the goodness of God that we can experience. 
There is no limitation. There is no barrier between us and God. Jesus has poured out his spirit on us. So we can experience all of God's goodness when his goodness comes. There isn't a barrier. There isn't anything stopping us. But do we expect it? Do we ask for it even? Do we even go there? Moses went there. He said, I want to see your glory. And God said, okay, where do you go? Where Do you set yourself a limit on what you can ask of God? Do you go boldly in and say, I want to see it. I want more of that, God. But there's more. There's more in this story. You see, Moses had many encounters with God. He spent 40 days in God's presence. The people of Israel, when he was in the the mountain, up in the mountain, they saw lights flashing and lightning and heard thunder, the whole lot. But this time, when Moses came down from the mountain, having had God's goodness pass by him, the radiance of God's goodness is shining from his face. The radiance of his goodness is shining from his face. And in Exodus 34, verses 29 to 35, it talks of this happening every time from then on. So much so that he has to wear a veil over his face. You see, the encounter Moses had on that mountainside when God's goodness passed by changed him forever. It literally changed the way he looked. It changed him forever. And people noticed it. It didn't just change him so he knew there was a change. Other people noticed it. They were aware of his countenance, his actual very being changing. And one of the responses that the people had when Moses met with God up on the mountain was literally to worship. It says that in Exodus 33, verse 10. They were so in awe that they had to worship. That was the effect Moses' relationship with God had on everyone else. And that's the challenge. Wouldn't it be great for us to desire to have such a relationship with God that other people worship in response to our relationship with God? Let me say that clearly, because I don't want you to mishear me. I'm not saying we are worshipped. I'm saying they worship God because of the goodness they see on us. That our relationship ignites a passion in others for Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing to even just want that? But let's want more. Let's step into that. That our relationship with Jesus, our longing to taste and experience the goodness of God will be such that other people worship God. You see, Moses' whole countenance, the way he looked, the way he acted, the way he behaved, everything changed because of his encounter with the goodness of God. And let me remind you, that is nothing compared to what God has promised for you. That is nothing, that is so small 
in comparison to what he wants you to experience and know. We can experience the fullness of his goodness. And why? Because the world needs you. It needs me to be contagious with the goodness of God. It needs us to radiate with the goodness of God. Not so that we have a lovely worship time in here, but so that out there, the world gets to experience, to taste, and to see the goodness of God too. And we can't, I want to challenge you, we can't and we shouldn't come into God's presence day after day, week after week, come together on your own, whatever you do, whenever and however you do it, and not be changed. We should go away from here this morning changed. We should have times with God on our own in the car, in our homes, wherever, and be changed. We shouldn't be the same. So I want to challenge you to ask God to let you taste and see his goodness into such a way that it changes you and that then that radiates out of you so that others want to worship God too. So taste and see that the Lord is good. So should we do that? Should we come into his presence and taste his goodness? And see his goodness right now. Stand or sit, whatever you want to do. And expect God to come. Expect to experience his goodness. If you need to stand because that helps you to just like click out of kind of listening mode and into receiving mode. If you want to sit because that's more comfortable, then do that. But expect God. Wow, Jesus, we want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you have done in our lives. But Jesus, we want to say, like Moses did, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. So we just invite you, glorious one, to come now and meet with us.